Yeah, yeah. And welcome, guys, to another episode of the Thick and Thin Podcast. As always, I'm Anthony Cardoza. Quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. Tired of it, I tell you, tired of it. Uh, whether you're at home doing push-ups or drinking quarantinis or taking fucking selfies, <laughs> whatever floats your boat, I guess, right? To get through it. I, um, what have I been doing? I've been learning Spanish. Uh, I grew up with parents that didn't teach me Spanish. They just talked shit to me in Spanish. That way they can get away with being calling me an asshole or something like that, you know? <laughs> so, I've been practicing that. Busting out the, uh, the old guitar. Slamming the axe a bit. Stroking the bis, whatever they call it, slapping the bis. And what else have I been doing? Oh, watching a lot of TV, obviously. Thank God we're in a time, though, where something like this is happening, and we have YouTube and electricity, and you know, everyone's panicking about groceries, but I went to Sprouts, and I got everything I needed the other day. You know, in and out real quick, so that's cool. Um, stocked up on uh, some Stevia sodas, so I have to go back. Got plenty of water and TP. I mean, life's good. You know, things can be a lot worse than being stuck in your house and stuck in your own mind so you can be creative. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of sketches and stuff like that. Thank you so much to you guys who participated on the little um, Wesley Snipes thing I asked. Uh, so what I'm going to start doing now is once in a while, I'll ask the uh, listeners or whatnot to ask a question to a celebrity. I think I'm going to do Tom Hanks next. And then when you guys answer, ask a question... I'm going to have a, a clip of whoever the celebrity is answer it. So I did Will uh, Wesley Snipes. Not Will Smith. Racist bastard, Anthony. Um, Wesley Snipes, who was actually surprisingly hard because <laughs> a little bit more of an old school kind of guy. And I'm familiar with his movies, but not as much as I am like with Tom Hanks or Will Smith or something like that. You know, Denzel Washington, I could fucking rep man on fire line by line. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to make the Tom Hank, Hank, Hanks one a little bit better and funnier because I can already imagine with Forrest Gump. No, but I've been on a really big boat. That sort of thing will, will really make it crack. Uh, I was just listening to the podcast with uh, Hotbox with Mike Tyson and Eminem. That was a really cool one. I shared a story and a couple people asked me to where I what interview it was. So that's where I found it. Uh, if you go to YouTube, just type in Hotbox, Mike Tyson, Eminem. It's a good interview. Uh, the one of the things I think works about Joe Rogan's format for podcasting is it takes people a while to settle in. You know, I think at for like the first hour, people tend to be a little bit more shy and coy. Understandably, I'm sure when you're a celebrity and you kind of have to watch what you say. You know, the first initial interview part is very guarded, and then I think like when Eminem's kind of just started to flow with Mike a little bit, that's when they they cut it short because they cut it like 40 minutes. So. I think after like an hour or so, I think people really fall into their own groove and you kind of just start talking about what you want to talk about. And I've been fortunate enough to have nothing but great guests on the podcast and people I know or relate to in a lot of ways. So things just flow naturally, which is really cool. Oh man, I've been watching this uh, documentary on Netflix, uh, The Trial of Gabriel Fernandez. Woo! Fucking terrible. I, didn't, I mean, I knew about this because I heard about it. You know, it's about a... Young boy, eight years old, Gabriel Fernandez, and he was tortured, abused by his parents for months on end, and it's basically the trial workers and people involved, like the authorities and stuff, didn't do their job, 
this kid ended up dying when his you know could have been prevented and stuff like that. So the 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 miniseries is about the trial, and I'm not going to give too much away. Everyone knows the story, but they're trying to seek the best death penalty for the parents, and there's a lot of evidence of why they should. And the social workers, there's episodes that go into them, and you know I'm I'm not to the end yet, but it's pretty good. It's really fucking sad though, really really sad, but. You know, it's interesting. I think anything that could stir that much passion in you without being an annoyance, you know, is is a good movie So or a good documentary. And I was really just like, what the fuck are these people doing? And it just shows the sort of flaws in our system and stuff like that. So I watched that. Uh, I also watched Kevin Hart, complete opposite, but I watched Kevin Hart's uh, Don't Fuck This Up. I had watched an episode a while ago. It's a little miniseries. It's, it's six episodes. And he touched bases on the uh, homophobic comments he made. His uh, cheating on his wife, uh, his divorce, stuff like that, which is great because it really makes him human. It makes you connect with him even more. I've always loved Kevin Hart, but now I'm just like, Shh, I know, I feel you, dog. You know. <laughs> so it's really cool because he just it shows him, you know, fumbling around with the with just being a human being and the mistakes he makes and having to address it. And he has his moral code, but on a larger scale, he kind of has to tip it and do what not to to appease the masses and to keep his name because it's not just on him anymore. He has a group that's responsible for him and it's stuff like that. It's really cool. And he goes to uh, one of the episodes uh, where I really liked is he goes to an old comedy club and he's sitting down with Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle and some other guys and stuff like that. And he's just shooting the shit with them. And he's talking about being an open micer at this club. And when he went there, how they were like, hey, this, this open micer's got potential. And he kind of was mingling with people that he looked up to. And then pretty soon, you know, he took off. And now he's bigger than bigger than pretty much everybody. And that was really cool for me because, you know, in the comedy world now, uh, I'm around it. I see a lot of guys I, I kind of came up with uh, idolizing and stuff like that. And you see them in their natural habitat, if you will, <laughs> just doing comedy, you know. Which is great, and I fucking love that about it because they're so far away from me. I'm nowhere near any kind of level of, you know, that they would even notice me or anything like that. But we're in the same kind of area doing the same rooms, and that gives me a lot of hope. And it shows to where you kind of, kind of grow. Like, I think for gyms, like for fighting gyms, it's so important to have those, those prized students that, you know, people who come in, like whether you're a meathead, like, oh, fucking go through some tough, or just someone who doesn't really know anything. And you see that kind of a finished product of a fighter or someone that's been training for a long time. They have the techniques down, the little in, the intricacies of the sport. I think that's what makes it so awesome. It's like, I can do that. I can be there. And then you're training at the gym. They're training there too. That's what makes it so exciting. Um, so that's just a little something I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I know there's a lot of crazy mass panic and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think for the most part, everyone I've talked to has been doing pretty well communicating online and stuff like that. I mean, I even reached out to a couple of people that I've been beefing, not beefing with, but maybe I had some things that were, you know, I've t had time to sit and think about mistakes I've made. And I always try to write them. You know, if I if I feel like I did something wrong, I just write them a little letter. Oh, sorry, hold on, the dog's going a little crazy. I'm actually doing this from the living room today just because everyone's working from home. So my uh, roommate and his girlfriend are working in there and it's a little bit noisy, so I decided to come in here, but... Anyway, uh, if I get interrupted, I apologize. We'll we'll hop right back onto it. But yeah, it was interesting to see. Fuck, what was I talking about? Something about the Holocaust and nuclear fallout and whatnot. 
Oh, shit. I can't even remember. Son of a bitch. Okay, hold on. I'm going to pause and go back. <laughs> so for those of you guys that weren't uh, here with me, I obviously was sitting here for 10 minutes trying to figure out what I was talking about. <laughs> Calming the dogs down and whatnot, but... Yeah, I was just saying I had some time to reach out on some Instagram uh, people that maybe I didn't get along with or, you know, just reflecting on my actions and stuff like that. So I, I apologize to a couple people. Hopefully they uh, they forgive me. And if not, they know that, I, you know, that I'm sorry or whatnot, whatever. And then also, uh, you know, what's funny to me about Instagram, too, is people get so offended if you don't follow them or if you unfollow them. And I've had a lot of people unfollow me, and I've got offended. <laughs> but usually I let it go, or I'll be like, what's up? Are we cool? And Yeah, I just don't like your post. Okay, fine. Which, surprisingly enough, not surprisingly enough, but people have said that to me before. And I understand. I post a lot of stupid shit. Um, I'm very opinionated. I post sketches, sketch comedy, stand-up, stuff like that. People, Some people don't like that. So I understand. you know. And for me, personally, I don't like when it's just like selfies or pictures of somebody I don't know or... You know, if they're into, uh, you know, whatever it is, um, I just don't, I don't follow them or I don't comment on them or I try not to look at their stories and not because I'm, I'm an asshole or don't like them or anything like that. It's more just, I'm like, I don't want to say anything negative or think negative thoughts about them. So I try to take myself out of what I can control in that equation. Right. But people fucking take it as like, you know, you slap their grandma or something. (laughs) Like, you fucking, like, there's apps where you can get where you could see who unfollows you, and people take that to the heart. <laughs> like, you know, which is which is really, really crazy to me, because, um, you know, but that's, I guess, that's the age that we live in, right? Yeah, and it's, it's, um, it's an interesting one. It's, I, was, I was thinking about weddings a lot, because I have a couple of buddies that have had weddings or are having weddings, and I didn't get invited. And that kind of hurts, you know? Sometimes it's like, oh, man, what the fuck? But... Ultimately, I've been blessed by being the best man in a couple weddings and been invited to a few weddings, the fifth wheel in a couple weddings, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I see how much goes into it, how much money. Each plate is 75 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, right? So if one person doesn't show up, that's 100 bucks. You know, usually 15 people don't show up. That's, you know, 1,500 just for people not coming, you know? So it's inviting people that you're not that cool with or just because they don't want to feel left out. You got to understand that these people are paying a lot of money for this. So ultimately, I'm not too upset. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I wish the best for them. And, you know, hopefully they invite me to a reception or uh, a hangout or, or they'll come by and we'll go to dinner. Something, something like that's fine with me, you know, where we're all paying rather than just one. But some people are, you know, oh, well, I invited you to this wedding. I expect to go to your wedding and stuff like that. And I can get that rationality, right? Because some people, you know, when you're younger, you're really close. So you're, you know, say the best man in that wedding. And in this wedding, you don't even get invited to. It's like, yeah, people change. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, right? But yeah, some people take that shit to the heart. <laughs> it's like, God damn. <laughs> so I've uh, I've just seen a lot of that lately. As long, for me, going my, my weddings for me are all about the bride and groom. If they're both having fun. And they both seem like they're enjoying themselves. And fucking by all means, man, I'm, I'm going to rage with you. You know, I've been to weddings where it's super elaborate and stuff like that. And the people don't even seem like they're having fun. I'm kind of like, eh, you know. And then I've been to weddings where it's they literally are dirt poor and there's nothing there. But they're super happy and it makes me super happy, right? And I've also been on the flip side of those. I've been to really nice weddings where they're super happy. And that's 
fucking great because we have everything to party with and i've been to weddings that are dirt poor and everybody's pissed off <laughs> right so oh god um i don't even know if i should tell this story but nah fuck it <laughs> i guess it's my story to tell so i won't say who but i had this cousin um i won't say his name and he was all methed out right so him and his wife they go get married and they drive like two hours back. And when he left, he was high as fuck. And he'd been up for like 10 days. And, uh, you know, I was already not talking to him at this point. So I was like, man, fuck this guy. So they leave. They go to the wedding. And the the girl he's marrying is really fucking cool. She's like a total sweetheart. She's really down for my grandparents. And she helps around the house and stuff like that. So I really like her. And I'm like, you know what? It's her wedding day. I shouldn't think of it like my idiot cousin. I should think of it like it's her wedding day. So... I go, um, I go to the store. I get chips and salsa and some cover tables. I pull some some uh, some tables outside, some chairs, stuff like that. I decorate the best I can for the backyard. I have a nice yard, you know. So I decorate the best I can. And when they get and I buy beer and stuff like that, I bought a keg. I set up the keg table, stuff like that. Me and my buddy Brett, I think it was, we're just back there drinking some beers, waiting for them to come home. They come home and she's like, "Oh well, you know, thanks." And her family kind of hanging out. And then he comes in, and he can't even stand. So I guess he totally crashed when he was over there. And he's just kind of like, his head's bobbing from side to side. And he's little, and then he just goes to sleep for fucking three days. So they didn't even have, like, the honeymoon evening or anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I felt so bad. Oh, but, you know, that was one of the worst weddings. <laughs> oh, God. I got some uh, artists coming to the um, the house, and he's gonna paint a portrait on the wall of uh, of my dogs that have passed away. I've had some great dogs. My first dog Rocket, uh, my second, or not my second dog, my dog Law. So let me tell you a little bit about my dog Law. Um, I'm trying to figure out if I can work it into some bits about story later. But this dog was was uh, she was an outlaw from day one, right? So her name is Law, and she was a red jindo. So they're dogs uh, originally from Korea. They're sort of wild dogs, and they're red zone dogs, which means they're they're really bad tempered kind of thing, and you have to be careful with them, make sure they're really trained trained well. And she was with me for about five years. I go to the military, and the thing about Law was I lived in an apartment, so she was always in the apartment with me. She was downstairs, you know. She lived in the house. I'd take her for walks, stuff like that. But she never was around other animals or other dogs. She never socialized. So when we went to my, uh, when I went to the military, I had came back and she started staying with my grandfather. My grandfather had a big yard in Altadena where I live now, and there's wild cats, there's uh, birds, there's all kinds of things. You know, there's bobcats in the yard and snakes, stuff like that. So this dog fucking kills everything. You know, anything she get her hands on. She's a small game hunter, so she's getting rats from the the ivy and possums that come in the yard and neighborhood cats and stuff like that you know and there's just no stopping her because she's trained way too late she doesn't have any kind of uh, understanding of what she's doing you know great dog though like super good with kids everything um so when i'm in the military she killed the neighbor's cat which is fucking horrible you know it's horrible and i can't imagine what that person was feeling but you gotta understand i'm feeling that about my dog right and it's there's nothing i could do you know i'm in the military so uh, there's a bunch of junkies that live on the property, leaving the fucking gate open so the dog gets out. And, uh, you know, that that's what really upset me about these, those kind of people and shit like that. So I, I tell my buddy Richard, I say, uh, who's my roommate now? I say, can you please get my dog out of there? Because the cops, the 
the main side is coming to take my dog to put her down for killing the cat. And uh, he's like, yeah, sure. So he gets my dog, takes him to his mom's house. Now, Dora, she I spent a lot of years there growing up because, you know, I had some shit going on in my house and stuff. She took me in. So she was willing to help me out. So my dog, Law, goes over there. And she, right away, Dora falls in love with Law. She's like, oh, my God, she's such a great dog. She listens. She's really mellow. She protects people. She's really protective, that kind of stuff. And Dora had all these birds, um, cages full of cockatoos and finches and different, like, colorful birds. So fucking one day she leaves and leaves Law in, in the room with the birds. And they come home and it's a fucking murder scene, right? Like all the cages are torn open. There's feathers everywhere. And um, what Law would do is bury things, right? But there's no yard. So she would put the birds in between the cushions and the couch. <laughs> it's fucked up. I know this is a long time ago. But um, so one day my, my Dora was vacuuming the house and Richard's helping her kind of move stuff around. He picks up the cushions to the couch, and there's a bunch of birds stuffed in the cushions. And, you know, Dora, at that point, uh, sorry, I didn't say it, but Dora was, you know, she was absolutely pissed because she loved those birds. And she's like, I want that dog out of here. So we had to move Law back to my grandparents. And, uh, you know, poor Dora, those are her birds. So Richard doesn't want, when he, she's vacuuming, he doesn't want her to see the birds. So he puts the dead birds in his pocket <laughs> and just keeps vacuuming. And afterwards, you know, goes and throws them out but um yeah it's horrible you know she's just a, she's a wild animal she needed to be you know properly housed and unfortunately at the time i didn't have my own house or anything like that and i got out of the military and she she survived and you know we we spent a lot more years with her and uh, uh the reason i don't get along with my cousin was i actually um i told him one day you know he'd leave the gate open he'd leave the fucking gate open the dog would get out she would you know commit crimes and whatnot and i told him i said if fucking something happens to my dog I will never talk to you again. And I meant that shit, right? Um, and one day he did something stupid where he ran outside with a gun. And uh, he ran back in the house. The cops followed him. I was at the gym. So I come home and I see uh, cops all over my street. And they're like, you can't come over here. And I was like, my house is down there. I was like, can you tell me if it's at my house? I was like, I'm just worried about my dog. Because, you know, she'll bark at cops. I don't want no one to shoot her. Cops like, yeah, sure. You know, what's your address? And he's like, yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. I was like, okay. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, what if something happened to my dog? What if something happened to my dog? So I went around, and the cop sees me. He's like, didn't I fucking tell you? And I was like, look, I want to see if that's my dog. And then some uh, guy comes up. He goes, look, I don't want to tell you like this, but we had to put your dog down. And I was like, what the fuck? You know. And I instantly started breaking down. I was fucking super emotional. And I guess what happened was they followed him in and my dog went after them. And then this uh, female cop was a fucking idiot because the dog wasn't that big. She just fucking f let loose with her gun, shot Law a bunch of times in the chest. And uh, the thing was, too, is that she was in the back backyard. So she was segregated. So after they got my cousin, they went through the house. And, um, you know, they just started, you know, barging in places. So she could have easily uh, knocked on the door, heard the dog barking, and be like, okay, let's see if we can get someone in here, whatever the case is, right? Instead, she just went in. And a, a room she didn't need to go into, it shot the dog. So I was fucking livid. And she comes up to me, like, she's going to tell me something about why, you know, she had to do what she had to do. She, she's like, your dog shouldn't. And I was like, first of all, bitch, you know, <laughs> I start going at her. And the cop, the, the guy's like, 
look, you need to calm down. I put my hands behind my back. I was like, look, I'm not being threatening. I'm doing this like every, everything fucking right. I, I have every right to say what I would want to say to this lady. So I fucking started going off on her. And she just, you know, the, the guys kind of looked at me like, yeah, he's got every right to say what he wants. So they kind of just walked away. And she was like, ooh, you know, I was just like, you stupid bitch. You could have fucking, you know, I was just going off on her. And the cops came a couple hours later and they were like, oh, you know, we're real sorry. This one of the sergeants. And he's like, you know, here's a file, uh, uh, something you can file. And, you know, it was just really, I guess he was, he felt like I was, you know, he obviously see I was under distress. And, you know, I was a military guy at the time. Like, I had nothing to do with what was happening. I was just trying to, you know, it was really fucked up. But anyway, I'm having a memorial for that dog um, put to the side. I also had a couple other dogs, Boris and Vegas, some good dogs that had some, some endings that, you know, kind of suck. And anytime a dog dies, it's terrible. So I'm doing a little portrait for them in the back. So that way the Airbnb guests can go back there and kind of see that it's really a dog-friendly place. And that's what we try to, you know, bring into things. Uh, that makes them feel comfortable. Uh, with the Airbnb, it really, really fucking sucks. Because uh, with, with, with the COV, uh, COVID virus, the, the coronavirus rather, there was a bunch of cancellations, right? So we get a call from the owner. This lady, Mai, is supposed to come. I don't even know what I'm saying. Name. <laughs> this lady supposed to come stay with us for nine days, which is a lot of money, right? So they call us the day before she's supposed to come in, and they say, "Look, up till April third, the LA County, some of them. Do you want to refund her her money?" I was like, "Wait, what?" And then they're like, "Yeah, um, you could refund her money if you didn't." I was like, "But I don't have to." And they're like, "No, you don't have to." Um, da, 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 you know, so they basically said like, you can either give her her money back or you could not because it's the day before. And I'm just like, fuck, you know, I'm so fucking mad. Cause I actually really need that money, but you know, it's not something that I'd want someone to do to me. So I'm just like, fuck. So I told the guys like, can you tell her that I said yes to the refund? He's like, absolutely. 100%. We really appreciate you. <laughs> I was like fucking motherfucker. So I told the, <laughs> I told the lady, I, I sent her a message on, uh, the Airbnb thing, and I said, "Look, um, it was our choice to not ref to refund you, so we went ahead and did that. Like, please just consider us. You know, tell your friends um, we're honest people. If you can just get back to us, you know, if you ever do end up traveling, we'd really appreciate it." And she was like, "Absolutely, thank you so much." But I was just like, "Fuck!" <laughs> so from now until um, April fifteenth or twenty first, all the all of the bookings are canceled. So we didn't get any. Uh, sort of option for refunds for the ones far away they just automatically cancel them so we're out you know a good good amount of money right there and we really depend on that now because it's a huge part of uh of uh the income and helps pay for the taxes and who knows what's that's that's gonna happen but i guess that's kind of what everyone's going through right so we're all kind of going through it together so we'll see what happens i don't even know if i told that story earlier about the uh walking the dogs but today i was walking the dogs and you know, my neighborhood's mostly black, um, and I grew up with a lot of these guys uh, from when I was a little, little kid to now, so I know everyone in the neighborhood. I'm always, like, saying hi to everyone, and I'm coming down, this old lady comes out of her house, and she's like, uh, what did she say? She's like, oh, God, crazy-ass white people walking the goddamn dog. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> she was, like, yelling at me, but she was on the phone, so it was just really funny. <laughs> I was like, have a good day. <laughs> I was like, white, huh? But anyway. It's good times, good times. Well, hopefully this guy give you a little entertainment, guys. I'm just giving you a recap of my life. I don't want to sound like a 
conceited bastard, but you know, it's pretty hard to get guests around right now. I'm doing my best to isolate myself and, um, you know, I think hopefully everyone else is doing it too. And if we all do what we need to do, hopefully this will be over a lot sooner than later, right? So just uh, hit me up if you guys get bored. Like I said, if you got sketch ideas, uh, anything like that, hit me up. Let's let's do it together, man. Let's run through them and have some phone conversations and record them and stuff like that. It'll be uh, it'll be all good. So until then, guys, uh, take care and we'll see you soon. Live from quarantine in the living room. This is the Thick and Thin podcast. Good night.